Welcome to the Eric Metaxas Show. We'll get you from point A to point B. But if you're looking for point C, well, buddy, you're on your own. But if you'll wait right here, in just about two minutes, the bus to point C will be coming right by. And now, here's your Ralph Cramden of the Airways, Eric Metaxas! Hey there, folks. Welcome to what I call Friday. And you know why I call it Friday? Because... Everyone calls it Friday, and I just go with the crowd. That's who I am. Uh, This is hour one, and it's my privilege in the first hour of today's program to have a dear friend, John Zmirak, as my guest for the whole hour. We're going to talk about a lot of stuff. Um, Now, before that, I want to say again, because I have to say it, um, we need your help with food for the poor. Uh, I don't know how else to say it except to say we need your help with food for the poor. Um, there are people suffering. If you've ever suffered, if you've ever lost your home, uh, if you've ever been unable to feed your kids or suffered in that way, uh, you know that anytime anyone helps you, you can't even contain the gratitude. Folks, that's the situation. Food for the poor is on the ground in countries where people are suffering. A lot of times we can't handle even thinking about suffering, but I'm, I'm here to tell you, God has blessed us to be a blessing. So whatever it is that you can do, all you need to do is find a place where you can trust giving your money, right? We're supposed to do something with, uh, with what we have. And that means being a good steward. So food for the poor, these are the best of the best. If you go to metaxastalk.com, uh, you can give there. You can give a little bit monthly. You can give a a, a, a lot uh, in one shot. You can do what you want. But we we need people to help. We're we're just way behind. I also want to throw this out there uh, that I um, always say one thing I can do is is give of my time. So uh, I will spend an evening if anybody feels that uh, they want to give a ten thousand dollar tax deductible donation to Food for the Poor. Uh, it will be my delight uh, to find a time either here in New York or in your neck of the woods to spend an evening together, uh, have dinner together. Uh, you know, you guys, uh, if you do that, you know, you pick up the bill for the meal. You get to pick the restaurant. You get to invite all your friends or nobody or whatever you want to do. I just give my evening. I put that out there because once in a while people take us up on that uh, and we really can use the help. We need large gifts. We need small gifts. But the way to do it is go to metaxastalk.com. Uh, you'll see the banner. Um, we're nearing the end of the campaign, and we're really far behind our goal. Um, if you can text, if you prefer to text, you can just text my name, Eric, to 91999. Uh, that's all you do is text Eric to 91999, and something will come up. Or if you prefer to call, uh, 844-863-HOPE, 844-863-HOPE. We really do need your help. Uh, we're a little bit desperate, and so I'm grateful uh, to those of you who have given. God bless you. And to those of you who will give today, thank you. I will continue to remind you um, because we really need your help. But it's my privilege uh, to bring on to the program our dear friend, John Zmirak. John, welcome back. Hey, Eric. Great to talk to you. There, there, there's a lot to talk about. Um, I, I want to talk to you about the articles you've been writing. You write such extraordinary articles that I feel like I trip over myself trying to praise them because you, they're very, very important. Uh, what you say is very, very important. But 
you know, I aspire to this in my own writing, not just to say things that are true and important, but to say it in a way uh, that is uh, either entertaining or compelling, but that's readable because there's a lot of stuff out there that, well, it's true, but it's it's a little dull to read. Your stuff is the opposite of that. Uh, it's very, very entertaining. You managed to say many difficult things and many important things in a way um, that is entertaining. So I, want, I just want to thank you for using your gifts for God's purposes, because that's that's not a small thing, John, uh, and you do it uh, regularly. Yeah, I'm amazed at, at your output. People need to go to stream.org and see your articles. And I always say this is a standing assignment, folks. I'm not really kidding. It, you always people say, what can I do? One thing you can do uh, is you can share this uh, video uh, on social media. You can share John's articles on social media. I put them on my Twitter feed. If you're the only reason people might want to be on Twitter is follow me so that you can get access to John's articles and the articles of a few people. Because I'm banned from Twitter still. So the only way I I can get myself out there is when Eric very kindly uh, represents. So uh, I've got one piece, Eric, that I hope you'll share soon called Should Congress make Joe Biden king and Hunter our Prince of Wales. Now, you might just think that's a funny, wacky article, but in fact, it's a dead serious article about what kind of country we are. Um, Are we the kind of country where the president wields power like a czar or a pharaoh or a sultan in Istanbul? Or are we a country that is free? Um, our founding fathers were very, very specific. They wanted to make sure that the government they set up was ty- was tyranny proof, as tyranny proof as possible. They di- they built the American system. You know, like a, it's like building a cuckoo clock. It, it didn't wasn't something they inherited. They built it, and they built it like a Rube Goldberg machine, those elaborate, complicated machines. They did it to make it hard for the government to do stuff, to make it hard for anyone to accumulate too much power. They purposely put in checks and balances and two branches of government, and they separated power among the states. Everything they did was to make sure they wouldn't get something like the czar of Russia and the pharaoh of Egypt. Now, the article that you wrote, which is at stream.org and which will be shared by me by the time this airs, uh, is a real civics lesson, John. You know, when I read it, I thought to myself, it's not like I don't know this stuff, but to be reminded of the genius of the wisdom, really, it's more wisdom than genius. The wisdom of the founders in creating something that that totally understood the biblical view of man. Is that when we can accrue power, we use it for our own ends and how power needs to be limited. It had never been done so successfully. They really created, um, you know, it's kind of like a perpetual motion machine. They, They had created something that was able to do what you're describing to limit power on a level that had simply never been done in history before. That's right. And the most important part of the machine is something that I used to wonder when I read it. Why is this in the Constitution? It seemed kind of petty that all tax bills and funding bills must originate in the House of Representatives. Now, why is that important? Because the House 
is the lowest branch of government. It is the closest to the people. They're only elected for two years. There are like hundreds and hundreds of them. I don't even know if we know how many members there are of the House of Representatives. There are so many. Uh, they are meant to be the font from which all funding comes. And in the past, that has been the thing that held back presidents from doing what they wanted to do. Franklin Roosevelt would have liked to get us into World War II in like 1937, fighting Japan. Uh, Congress kept cutting him off, cutting him off. It, it took Pearl Harbor for Congress to finally say, okay, fine. You, you got us in, you Democrats got us into World War I. Now you've got us into World War II. Fine. We'll fight it. Uh, Reagan wanted the U.S. to fund the Contras in Nicaragua. Congress said no. People like Oliver North decided we're just going to evade this constitution and you know, trade arms for hostages. I mean, that was, well, while I support the Contras, the people in Reagan's administration broke the law trying to evade the constitution. Right now, the House Freedom Caucus is is offering, promising to use, finally use the power of the purse to rein in our tyrannical government. The the uh, House Freedom Caucus has said, we're not going to approve another resolution to keep funding the government if you keep weapon, if we can't put in place reforms that stop the weaponization of the FBI, the targeting of pro-lifers, the open border. I mean, they are serious. We John, this is, I want to detail when we come back from the break, uh, who we're talking about in the Freedom Caucus. These are the heroes. Folks, I'm asking you, please do it right now. Go to metaxastalk.com. Give what you can, please. We need your help. Metaxastalk.com. God bless you. We need your help with food for the poor. These people need your help. Metaxastalk.com. God bless you. We're doing a campaign for food for the poor. Actually, I take that back. It begins today, Monday, July 31st. People who listen to this program know that we partner with Food for the Poor. They are total heroes. Food for the Poor steps up because there is always there are always hurricanes flooding other natural disasters at this time of year. So uh, because of poverty or collapsed infrastructure in a lot of these countries, by the way, in case you didn't know, America is an amazing country. These other countries do not have a lot of infrastructure. So we need to step up. Those of us uh, who have the ability to step up, I want to encourage you to go to metaxastalk.com and give what you can. Uh, let's get a good start. Go to metaxastalk.com. Do what you can uh, or just text Eric to 91999. Please uh, uh, do this. Text Eric to 91999 or phone 844-863-HOPE, 844-863-HOPE, 844-863-HOPE. Big John, Big John. Every morning at the mine, you could see him arrive. He stood six foot six. Welcome back, talking to John Smirak. John, you're talking about the article you wrote at stream.org. I've shared it on Twitter, uh, and it has a funny title. Should Congress make Joe Biden king uh, and Hunter Biden the Prince of Wales? But it's a civics lesson. It talks about how the founders created a magnificent uh, form of government that is a check on power. And at the heart of it, you were just saying is, is the House of Representatives must approve and originate all funding. Now, this is something that the Republicans threw away decades ago. 
Newt Gingrich shut down the government and it blew up politically in his face. Ever since then, Republicans have just said, "Okay, well, we'll pretend that we don't like X, Y and Z. But if the Democrats insist on it and it becomes down to shutting down the government, we will surrender every time. We just want you to know that we've got the white flag hanging over our party. Let me let me ask you, because maybe you can help me understand this. Um, Why did that blow up uh, when when Gingrich did it? This was early on in the in 90s the, in the right. But it was in it was in the uh, the Clinton, Clinton administration yeah. in the beginning of the Clinton administration. Newt Gingrich was a heroic figure. Well, here's why. How did that blow up politically? Why did that because blow up? Democrat, why did that backfire? Here's how it backfired. The Democrats got a bunch of old people with nothing else to do but call their congressman and said they're going to cut off your Social Security. And hundreds and thousands of phone calls came into Congress and the Republicans folded like a cheap tent. We have to be willing to say we will shut down the government and leave it shut. We will defund the FBI. If you're going to use the FBI to send men with rifles to the homes of pro-lifers, you're going to use the FBI to persecute PTA moms who complain about pornography in the school library. If you're going to use the FBI as a KGB to protect the corrupt political dynasty of the president to cover up for his son's crack deals and foreign bribes, we would rather cut it off because the FBI is more of a threat to my freedom and yours than Vladimir Putin, the North Korean government, Islamic terrorists or drug cartels. The FBI is a clear and present danger to every honest citizen in America, and it would be better for it not to exist than to exist as it currently does. The okay, House ladies and gentlemen, saying that. ladies and gentlemen, what John just said is true. I want you to understand. Uh, maybe it sounds a little bit like hyperbole, except it's not. This is true. Uh, we need to use this threat uh, of of shutting down the government. And it is things need to get really, really bad, which they are in order for for enough people to have the guts. Now, John, when you talk about the House Freedom Caucus, this is not most of the GOP side. This is some heroes in the Congress. Who are the folks in the in the Freedom Caucus? Well, the main person I know is Matt Gates and also Lauren Boebert. Marjorie Taylor Greene was actually evicted from the Freedom Caucus. For- That's shocking. Really? Why? Because she had become Kevin McCarthy's little hand puppet. How can this be? How can that be? She's she was a hero. I don't understand that. I think they just, you know, gave her a few few bags of pork rinds, a few bottles of Chardonnay. I don't know what it took. I don't know what her price was, but she flipped. She ended up supporting Kevin McCarthy for speaker without any of the rules changes that the conservatives were were insisting on. She well, okay. Yeah, she is she is a spent brand. Who, who else in there besides? I don't have. A, I don't really. We don't have, know. Okay, but the but the point look up is, House Freedom Caucus. They have names. They're, they're, if but, you look it up online, you can find their names. But the because, point is that there are enough of them. Yeah, to, that they to, can to pull this off. What you are saying to say we will cut off funding. We will not approve funding. We will not because they don't have the votes in Congress unless the Freedom Caucus right. does it, and they use their leverage. Uh, to get McCarthy to concede to a bunch of stuff before he became speaker. So they have power and we we thank God for them. So keep this going. Is the last line of defense, the last line of defense against tyranny. Our courts won't intervene mostly to protect us. The FBI is a politicized gang working for the Biden crime family. 
that uh, we have no protections from tyranny if if the House of Representatives, the one branch of government that the Democrats have not been able to completely steal, like they stole the presidential election and stole the Senate. Let's face it. They stole enough Senate seats, too. The Democrats haven't yet been brazen enough or competent enough to steal the House of Representatives and make this a one party state. If our Republicans won't stand up for the most basic freedoms that the FBI shouldn't be persecuting our religion and and shouldn't be persecuting parents and the borders should be controlled by the U.S. government, not drug cartels and human traffickers. If we can't agree on that, then maybe we deserve to live in a tyranny because we're and we're going to get one. We're going to get one good and hard. We are on the the verge. We're in the 1933, the Reichstag is burning kind of moment where a democratic free system of government disappears. And then for hundreds of years, people say, how did they let Hitler come to power? How did they let the American democracy just disappear? And and there'll be lots of thick history books written about it. And, and the answer will be because we were cowards, because we would rather see our country become a tyranny than have a national park closed or get letters from people scared about their Social Security checks. Well, I, I have to say that, you know, the lack of courage uh, by so many on what we would consider our side is it's it's a staggering thing. But I also want to encourage people that I I go around the country and I meet the heroes. I meet the pastors uh, and the homeschool families who totally get this and are on the right page. So don't be discouraged, folks, because I'm here to tell you, I I meet these people. You will never read about them in the news. It's as if they don't exist. People don't want you to know they exist. But there are more people who think the way you do than you than you would realize. And that's why every single voice is important. Every one of us needs to stand strong. Every one of us needs to do what we can. And I say it again, John Zmirak's articles at stream.org. This uh, interview, share these things on social media, help other people to see what you see. John, I I just have to uh, bring it up. The, um, the, I, I, I don't have the emotional strength I didn't have the emotional strength to watch the debate the other day, principally because it was almost like seeing the 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 former Soviet Union, the Politburo or something like that. People that are just from another era and they they are unable to see what we're talking about right now, that we are on the edge of the abyss of tyranny. The only one who had the guts to say it was Vivek Ramaswani. That that and and when you have people like Mike Pence, I mean, it's mind blowing to me that these people it would it would it would be like you're you're in the middle of a thunderstorm and they're trying to tell you it's a sunny day. And you are they crazy? Are they like what is going on? Eric, in your book, Letter of the American Church, which I can't recommend highly enough. You talk about how did the Christian church in Germany let the the Nazis take over and the Holocaust happen? And the answer is very simple. Mike Pence. The Christians in Germany were like Mike Pence. Mike Pence is so proud of the fact that he certified fraudulent electors because he followed all the rules of the Constitution as his high paid lawyer told him was the safe thing to do. 
Mike Pence didn't do the constitutional thing. He did the safe thing. Mike Pence has done the safe thing his entire life. If the early church had been like Mike Pence, there would be one very safe Christian neighborhood on the, in the suburbs of Jerusalem and nowhere else on earth. Christianity would exist in one gated community with a nine-hole golf course and a very nice little social club and a very good school system. And it would, it would it still, it would be the most obscure little religion, this little suburban cult compound on the outskirts of Jerusalem. Christianity would not have spread two streets over because I heard that street's not safe. If Mike Pence represents Christianity, uh, it's the biggest joke in the history of the world because and it was so discouraging to hear him talk over and over again at the debate about accepting Jesus as his personal savior. And I thought the the son of God saves your soul. And this is how you turn out. Oh, my gosh. Well, this is That's, not an advertisement for Christianity. This is a scandal. John, honestly, you you could not have said it better. What you just said. I mean, this is effectively uh, what I'm writing about in my new book, what I wrote about in a letter to the American church and everywhere I go around the country, I'm saying some version of what you just said, that if you can apprehend what God did for you on the cross, if you claim to believe that that's true, as all Christians claim to believe, if you get that, you will live your life radically. You will live your life fearlessly. If you don't live your life fearlessly, it's proof that you don't have a clue of what happened. And when you claim to understand what happened, claim to have faith, God says, it doesn't look like you do. Your actions don't show that you have faith. We're going to go to a break, folks. Uh, we've got lots more talking to John Zmirak. I want to remind you, we really need your help. Go to metaxastalk.com. Please give anything you can today. We're desperate. Metaxastalk.com. We'll be right back. Welcome back. We're talking to John Zmirak. Uh, John, we don't need to, to talk more about the debate. It, it was it's an unbearable thing. But, well, but I, I have to say, it's that. almost like a lesson to America. If like you want to compare what the Republican Party was like before Donald Trump. Yes. I mean, it is unbelievably depressing. It's me, so depressing and sick. You know what it was watch- like? These these men talking and talking and Nikki Haley. Nikki Haley uh, is running for, for president of Planned Parenthood. That is what she is doing. And I think she's going to get the job and she deserves it because she's done more for abortion rights than most people in America. She was our representative at the U.N. and stopped pro-life stuff. Pro-lifers like Austin Ruse, friend of ours, we're constantly going to Nikki Haley saying, would you please stop the U.S. from funding abortion in Africa and Asia? And Nikki Haley blew them off and blew them off and blew them off. And Nikki Haley last last time at the, at the recent debate, what she said was uh, someone pointed out that 87 percent of Americans support restricting abortions after 15 weeks, which, by the way, is absurdly late because that's 90 percent of abortions. But anyway. Nikki Haley doesn't even want to stop those abortions that 87 percent of Americans oppose because she said, but you don't have 60 senators. And she said it with a little smile on her face like she was glad 
she pretends to be pro-life like she used to pretend to support Confederate heritage. But she is the one who, when she as governor of South Carolina, got all the Confederate monuments torn down after running on the campaigning on the promise to keep them. Nikki Haley is. It would insult Homer to call her a Trojan horse. She is a. (laughs) And, And Odysseus. She is, a, she is a dirty sock puppet for globalists who hate us. Don't and, you wish, though, that maybe she and Mike Pence could form an independent ticket uh, and they could steal they could steal uh, votes from Biden? I, I think, think they, they should, should run off together and live in a double wide outside some some slum in Arkansas and have a bunch of kids on food stamps. That's what I would like to see. Honestly. You, you, it, it is sobering. I mean, if you could bear it and I, I really I couldn't bear to watch it. So I saw some clips, but but it, it is it is a sobering thing to think how, again, apart from Vivek Ramaswani, right. just the how boring, how safe, how sickening they are. And this is at a time when the nation is in flames. Our justice system is in flames. We have no more living journalists in the mainstream media. The opposition presidential candidate is under arrest along with his attorneys. And these people are talking like they're in a model UN program in high school in 1982. Well, you know what this was? I don't know how many of you used to watch the Harlem Globetrotters. I always loved the Harlem Globetrotters, but they had a team the Washington generals of white guys whose job it was to lose to them gracefully every single game. And once, once the Washington generals got some spine and actually beat the Harlem Globetrotters and there was a riot, the fans were ready to attack them for winning that the GOP apart from Vivek. And I felt bad for Ron DeSantis being with all these horrible people, uh, the that that debate was the tryouts for the Washington generals, people going out to show how well they were willing to lose to the Democrats. The Democrats will steal elections. We won't even send electors back to the states. The Democrats will imprison us for politically opposing them. What do we do? We get upset about Ukraine. Nikki Haley was sneering about the impossibility of protecting unborn Americans. But when somebody questioned Funding the war in Ukraine. She acted like like a mother cat who someone tried to steal her kitten. It was unbelievable the fervor with which she's willing to speak on behalf of foreign citizens in a border dispute 5,000 miles away. But unborn American babies, she's like, you know what? When it finally comes down to it, what difference does it make? Nikki Haley is Hillary Clinton with a slight tan. Well, I got to tell you, uh, in a way, it was, um, I said before, it was, it was sobering. It was instructive. There were a number, there were a number of things that, again, I, I, I didn't watch it, but I just saw clips, but it was clarifying. It's like solving for X. Like you want to know where we are. Uh, can you even imagine that we have prisoners because of January 6th, we have people in solitary confinement. We have this false narrative. We have the weaponization of our uh, justice system against Americans. They all, and Pence at the lead of the pack, pretended like none of that is true. None of that matters. And they smile. I mean, it. it, it is so... Uh, it's so cloying. It's just so disgusting, really. It's, it's unbearable. It was clear 
that Chris Christie was hangry. Chris, <laughs> somebody should oh, come on. Him, somebody should have thrown that man a pork chop, and he he would have gotten his face all greasy, and he would have smiled, and he would have relaxed a little bit. Clear, he was like a little two year old who had not been given his little his little jar of of minced pork pork meat. John, so he that is crazy. one of the greatest lines ever. Chris Christie was hangry. Now I wish you were on Twitter. Uh, maybe I'll just put that on Twitter with a picture of Chris Christie. You need to write an article called Chris Christie was hangry. You just just use that as the title and write whatever you want about the debates. You need John. You need to do that. Listen, folks, we're it going to another break. It's nasty at the stream. If you want more, if you want more comedy and more truth, stick around. And by the way, you got to go to metaxastalk.com. I- I'm talking to you. Metaxastalk.com. Give what you can. Doesn't matter what you give. Or text Eric to 91999. Text Eric to 91999. We need your help. Or call 844-863-HOPE. 844-863-HOPE. Welcome back, folks. The headline, Chris Christie was hangry. John, it doesn't get better than that. I want to say thank you from the bottom of my heart for that line, because that is so funny. I can't. My mother said, you know, my father quit smoking. She said, yeah, you were a lot nicer when you smoked. There are these dry drunks who are white knuckling it and all their friends are like, God, I wish you'd drink again because you're so obnoxious when you're sober because you're just clinging to your sobriety with your bare fingertips. Well, Chris Christie, every moment he doesn't have a pork chop in his pie hole. He is furious at the world. And he was clearly furious at America and at Americans and at Donald Trump and at anybody who stands in his way. This man who is almost went to prison for corruption for for like his 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 cronies stealing bridged bridged tolls in New Jersey. The guy who got Chris Ray appointed head of the FBI, the guy who was personally responsible for the potential imprisonment of Rudolph Giuliani, this guy had the nerve to talk about the rule of law and to gloat about the fact that Donald Trump might go to prison. Again, this was just personal. Chris Christie felt wronged. Chris Christie was angry that Jared Kushner and his corrupt family were favored by Donald Trump instead of Chris Christie and his corrupt family. It was just it was like a nasty mafia grudge. And the fact that he's up on our debate stage uh, the all the these midgets. It was like the Oompa Loompas from Willy Wonka trying to take over the chocolate factory. Um, again, Vivek it was one of the only exceptions. Ron DeSantis, who I think is a good man, should have sat out this race. I felt bad because I, I think he was uh, hornswoggled, to use a political term, yeah. uh, into running. That a lot of big money decided, let's do everything we can to get him to run. And unfortunately they succeeded um, because he just doesn't have the, the, the political skills and, you know, in a way I shouldn't say this. he, he has the skills to govern. He's a governor. He's a great governor. 
But probably not, the greatest governor great, in America. Not a great candidate. And he did say one thing that was really powerful, and I wish he'd said more of it. That the COVID fraud, which unfortunately Trump fell for for a long time, the yeah. COVID fraud is how this all happened. They closed our churches. They kept their abortion clinics open. They kept our kids home from school. They dumped COVID patients in nursing homes and murdered thousands of elderly Americans. The All of that. He didn't fall for it in Florida. And DeSantis should talk about COVID and nothing else for the rest of this campaign. He might he probably won't get the nomination, but he could really serve America by reminding us how completely we surrendered. The the COVID panic was like a beta test for totalitarianism worldwide, and it was 90 percent successful. You you have personally spoken to like the only Christians who didn't close their churches down, who didn't take the dead baby vaccine. By the way, Mike Pence was the guy in the White House who was approached about a pro-life alternative to the vaccine. Mike Pence is the guy who said no. Mike Pence is. The I didn't know that. Say that again. That's sick. Mike Pence was approached by pro-life Catholic bishops begging him to get Trump to authorize at least one of the COVID vaccines not be based on organs stolen from aborted babies. Mike Pence didn't think it was worth a fight. The same way Mike Pence didn't think it was worth fighting for religious freedom for Christians in 2015 in Indiana against the gay lobby, the same way Mike Pence didn't think it was worth fighting election fraud on January 6th. 2020. Are you getting a theme? Mike Pence will not fight for you. Mike Pence is the kind of cop who, when there's a school shooting, is outside hiding behind a bush. Maybe Jeb Bush. (laughs) Hey, that was that was another good one, John. That was another good one. Thank you very much. I don't know who your joke writers are, but man, they are on today. Uh, You really you really need to um, to post Chris Christie was hangry. Because that is so it just it just says it all like like the best jokes. They say so much. Um, Last (laughs) night, last night, my girlfriend called me up and read me Michael Kinsley's, I think, 2013 column. Chris Christie can't be president. He's too fat. And 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 I real and Michael, she was reading me hilarious lines from Michael Kinsley. And I realized, wow. I'm the only person around still getting away with writing like Michael Kinsley did. Well, I I tell you, I, you know, um, recently, as many people know, I was on Jordan Peterson had me on his podcast um, and he asked me some question. And I want, you know, I quoted the Walt Whitman line uh, uh, from uh, a song of myself. You know, I am large. I contain multitudes. Uh, And I jokingly said I I said to, to Jordan, I said, you know, you know who said that, right? Chris Christie. And I and I moved on. You know, I started out with just a cheap, a cheap joke. But but the fact of the matter is that what we're talking about, we we kind of have to do dumb jokes because it's very painful to think that we have people like Chris Christie, like Mike Pence, um, who just a handful of years ago, I thought, you know, they're basically on the good side. Uh, you know maybe what, they're Eric? not. Franz von Papen, we thought, was on the good side in 1931 before he cut a deal with the Nazis saying, I can console these people. We will get the Nazis into the government and we will control them like the little puppets. Guess what? Guess what? 
you're not able to control the Nazis. And people like Mike Pence and Chris Christie aren't are, aren't going to control Antifa and the George Floyd rioters who come storming into your in your in your city. And if you defend yourself, like Jake Gardner or Kyle Rittenhouse did, they will throw you under the bus. Right. Well, that's this is the point. No, this is the point. This is why when you say they're cowards, I don't say, oh, 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 those are strong words when you need someone to protect you. okay. and by the way, when they've been elected to do that, when you're vice president of the United States, you're not just some Christian gentleman. You're the vice president of the United States. You have a duty to put your life on the line for what is right and good and true. If you're not up to that, resign. I have to apologize. I have compared Mike Pence to Ned Flanders on The Simpsons. And various people on Facebook have pointed out that that is very unfair to Ned Flanders. And so I would like to apologize to Ned Flanders and the entire Flanders family. Thank you, John, for using this program as a forum uh, to make that public apology. Uh, It's very important that that was said. uh, When we sin, I stand with you uh, in supporting uh, Ned Flanders against uh, Mike Pence. My gosh, this is so sad. We'll be right back. Don't go away. John Zmirek at stream.org. You've written another article, another great article. Folks, go to stream.org, share these articles, please. They are just that good. John, it's called Christianity is not just another suicide cult. Go. Christianity isn't a suicide cult is the title. And it's basically a fundamental principle of how we understand Jesus. When we when we hear him say things in the gospel that we can't wrap our head around. How do we make sense of them? And the answer is we listen to what the historical church and wiser people than ourselves have said about it. Because otherwise, if you just listen to the words of the gospel taken out of context, the way the left-wing red-letter Christians urge us to do, what you will come away with is self-contradictory nonsense. Because when Jesus talking in different contexts to different people, he said things that seem to point in different directions. The most obvious example is, There's a place in the gospel where Jesus talks about being eunuchs for the kingdom of heaven. If you took that literally, absolutely literally, you would go to the doctor and become a eunuch. Let's say you took it a little less literally. You would say Christians are called to universal celibacy. Marriage is unworthy. Christian, we're called to celibacy. That's the purest route. Everybody has to do that. Now, on the bright side, that would solve all our social problems in 70 short years. We wouldn't have to worry about the future of the church because there would be none. But if Jesus was really saying that, he would be contradicting his father who told mankind be fruitful and multiply. So if your reading of the New Testament radically contradicts everything that was said in the Old Testament, you're the one that's wrong. If you read the New Testament to be pacifist, then you're saying Jesus contradicts God who told Joshua to fight. If you think the the New Testament calls for open borders, then, you, then it contradicts the places in the Old Testament where they're told to build walls and to keep the foreigners out of their cities. The temptation to t- treat Christianity as an entirely new religion, unconnected to the 
all Old Testament God, the temptation to demonize and attack the God as revealed in the Old Testament. It was the first heresy in the Christian church, the heresy of Marcion. The first and worst heresy in Christianity was the one that went against Judaism and attacked Judaism in the Old Testament. And ironically enough, it's the heresy that the Nazis resurrected in the 30s cutting off the Old Testament from the new. The they way- said it was too Jewish. They said the Old Testament is too Jewish uh, wow. to be uh, to be part of the National Socialist, uh, you know, way of life. And they 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 kind of had a point. It was pretty Jewish. It was well, pretty Jewish. Your progressive <laughs> progressive Christians today think the Old Testament is too private, too capitalist, too ethnocentric, too yeah. Phobic, patriarchal. It is all those things because God is those things. God is patriarchal. God wants border walls. God wants us to fight in self defense, you know, things like the landing at Normandy. God is not the sniveling, rainbow dashikied, woke loser that is reading Christianity today, right now. Not that we're saying anything negative about losers. We respect you, whoever you are. Uh, even if you're on the editorial board of Christianity today. Um, John, I want to be clear that people really do need to share these articles. These articles, the ones that we've been referencing today, um, one of them is a civics lesson about how America works. The other one is clarifying about what actual Christianity is. Uh, These are public services that you have done, and I want people to go to stream.org to find these articles And to share them again, folks, you always say, what can I do? What can I do? You can do that. You can share these videos. Please do that. And finally, before we go, please go to metaxastalk.com and give generously to Food for the Poor. People are suffering. They need our help. It's why we come to you. It's why Food for the Poor comes to us. We need your help. You can text Eric to 91999. Eric to 91999. You can call 844-863-HOPE. 844-863-HOPE, or you can go to metaxastalk.com. John Zmirek, my friend, thank you. Thank you.